Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, as the Niners go marching on and on, Mr. Akshaz Devaduela. Akshaz, man, how are we doing? Oh, man, we um, we forgot a, a little bit what it's like to watch a intense, close <laughs> football game. I thought the quarter, second quarter against Seattle was enough, but you know the 49ers decided to make a whole game of it against the Cowboys. But good, you know, live yeah. to fight another week. <laughs> so all's well that ends well. Yeah, and ultimately that's that's the key, right? It's, it's just like, as you've said, I, th- I think a couple of times over the last several weeks, it's just like it doesn't matter really how you win so long as you do. Um, and I think that's a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good uh thing to keep in mind uh as you think about this game uh 19 to 12 over the dallas cowboys uh levi stadium in the nfc divisional round uh, which lands the 49ers the right to go to philadelphia and to play the nfc championship game there um against the number one seeded eagles in the nfc this is the niners third nfc championship game in four years which is just a wild wild thing to think about and Akshaz, on top of everything else, people wanted to fire Kyle Shanahan at one point earlier in this season, uh, in spite of all of those things that have happened. Um, and they were citing weird stats like, you know, at that point, he had an under 500 record and blah, 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 completely losing sight of the fact that when he took over this team in 2017, that it was an absolute dumpster fire um, <laughs> and just what he has been able to do over the course of his time and the fact that every year that he's had a, a a relatively healthy team, he's taken them to at least the NFC Championship game, I think, says a lot about what he has done and about what uh, this organization has done to to steady the, the the footing of of the whole the whole team, the whole organization. I think it's pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, so no matter what happens from here on out, I think you just got to go. Wow. Like what they've done is is amazing. Shanahan right now, I think, in the storied history of the 49ers, is probably the third best coach in franchise history. And if he can wrap up this string, which really shouldn't, we shouldn't say will be ending anytime soon, given how well they've kind of set up their team and are able to like restock with elite talent. If he can get a Super Bowl in this stretch, at least one, he might. He's already one of the like few coaches in the league that I would say, if he gets fired from any position and he's on the market, you get you get rid of anyone other than maybe Andy Reid and get him in your building because he knows he knows how to do football basically, and you know it's not just his like offensive mind that's so incredible obviously that's one of the huge pluses with keeping shanahan but the defensive culture the overall team culture the ability to just take a punch to the gut and punch right back the physical nature of the 49ers that all springs from the head coach there's a reason why you know when robert sala left to go to the jets people were a little concerned that the defense would fall off there's a reason why D'Amico Ryans has been able to step in and do as much as he's done. It's because D'Amico's an exceptional coach in his own right, but it's also because 
Shanahan has instilled a culture that allows his staff and his players to just exceed. So you're absolutely right. I think people get caught up in the moment and whether or not Shanahan has the had the like right approach to developing Trey Lance, I don't know. I don't really care at the right now, given how the season is going. But you can't like to want to fire a coach like him after like last year, but then especially after this year, I mean, he's he he's special. The 49ers got a good one. Okay. And when you have a good coach, you know, you can you can get a lot of things wrong and still be right in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's absolutely right. Um, and it's it's so weird for a team that's been around for as long as they've been to already be talking about how he's the third best coach in in the franchise's history. Um, and wow, actually, that that does that does add be- that begs a slight question because the first one is pretty obvious. Who who's the second one in in your mind? Just out of curiosity, I know this is a complete tangent, but just I'm I'm. I have an idea, but I'm just wondering what who you who you would put in that spot at this particular moment. As of right now, I'd put Cipher just because. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, how I mean, I I wasn't alive for basically <laughs> that whole transition, but you win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You're pretty, like, I, but it's close, right? I think if Shanahan gets one, he he goes to number two in my view. Yeah, because I mean, the the argument on, on on George Seifert has always been, well, yeah, but he inherited Bill Walsh's team like right off the bat and didn't. I mean, he had some ups and downs post that immediate moment where he when he took over initially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's there's certainly something there. But um, he's, I think that's I think that's correct. Um, I was just curious as to what <laughs> what you were gonna go with, just given your uh, your 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 where you were, where you are in your, your timeline. Um, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of other options at that point. I mean, I probably Mariucci's on that list, right? Like maybe he's like a very distant fourth at this point. Um, gosh, no, <laughs> it's really sad. Uh, the, the, the state of, of, of things outside of, of that group. And then you have like a hodgepodge of, of other names here and there, but yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a tangential, uh, <laughs> kind of moment there. Um, but yeah, uh, Dallas, you know, they, what, and that is an organization that, that has, has figured out how to win the regular season quite frequently over the last several years or to be highly successful over the course of the regular season for a long time. And I mean, they even, they had a little tiny stretch where they struggled and then didn't make the playoffs, but it seems like they've, they've been like in contention for playoff spots for the most part over the last what decade plus or so and it's just every time something happens and I, I don't feel really bad for them or anything I'm just it's just sort of a strange a strange state to be in for sure um and we'll talk more about this game uh in particular um the one thing that struck me about it in in a sort of general sense as we kind of get into it um is that we were both terribly wrong about how high scoring this game was going to be. <laughs> that was what I kept thinking about. I was like, oh, nobody's going to score any points today, is it? Um, it became pretty clear pretty pretty early on that that was not going to be the case. Um, so I was wondering, uh, in just sort of a general sense, what your thoughts on this question were. 
Do you think, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the Niners could have two more games, right, on this for the season, uh, the NFC Championship game, and potentially a Super Bowl if they can get through that. Do you think this is the type of games that they're probably going to have to win throughout the rest of the of the of the of the run if they want to win the whole thing? Um, cause I, I don't know. I'm not, or, or do you, or do you think there's a chance that the offense will have a chance to, to show up and, and put up a lot of points again? Um, cause we were kind of talking about this a little before. This is a pretty much, this is a, a rough go of it to, to get to that point. I'm just kind of curious if you think this game might be indicative of where it might be headed. It's interesting because it's so matchup specific. And I think of all the teams in the NFL, Dallas is probably the most like capable of stopping the 49ers just because Dan Quinn was probably the most aware of what Shanahan wanted to do. And I also think Dallas's like relative strength on defense being a pretty like fast and aggressive linebacking core, along with a pretty solid pass rush, really gave the 49ers fits. But you know, not to take anything away from Dallas, I think their defense was played really well, and the 49ers had to earn everything. We, they're basically the Niners were like one Brock Purdy throw on that first short field, and this game is like 23 as opposed to 19. And then from there, another like like there are these small miscues that Dallas caused, but also I think Purdy kind of walked into himself and this game could have swung very differently of course it could have gone the other way as well so i don't know i i think the nfc championship game could be a lot more like this game because i think philly i think if you had to tell me what the three best defenses in the nfl were i would put or at least in the top five i think philly Dallas and the 49ers are in that top five for sure. And Philly's defense is incredibly talented and incredibly good at rushing the passer and defending the pass. They're not so good against the run. And I think that's where the 49ers had their biggest issues was Dallas's defense was crowding the box and was able to take advantage of some poor run blocking, some missed opportunities to break big ones. But eventually you know, the running lanes opened up to and basically to run around your question for probably like 45 seconds. <laughs> You're good. Um, I think next week, if the 49ers win next week, it'll be low scoring. And we'll talk about it more when we get into the Philly preview episode. But I think the Super Bowl has the chance to be more offensively minded just because mm-hmm. I don't think the AFC has the same caliber of defense as what the 49ers face. I I mean, I think the Bengals defense is quite good as well, but it won't be anything like Dallas or Philly. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. And kind of what I was thinking too, it's just sort of, you know, it's it's good to to kind of get a gauge of where we are at this particular point. Um, All right. One last question. Uh, This one's a little bit more fun um, before we get into to post game injuries and then get into the the meat of the the post game stuff. Uh, did the Cowboys outdo last year's ending with this 
very interesting uh, play to close out this particular game um, on Sunday. Oh man, um, I'm gonna <laughs> say, I'm going to say yes because last year's play was really stupid, but I get in. I understand it in theory, right? And if they know the rules better, it works, right? I mean, <clears throat> was it the right call? I don't think so, but you get like 25 yards on a scramble. If your center know and QB know that you have to give the ball to the lineman before you can snap it, you get a second, you have a shot at the end zone. Right. But that last play from Dallas and that last drive from Dallas was probably the most hilarious drive of playoff football I've seen in a while. You have Armstead smacking into Prescott, but not wrapping up because he's worried about getting the roughing the passer. Then Which you pass. So the NFL in 2023, by the way. Mm-hmm. Then you have Dalton Schultz being pushed backwards and walking sideways, so the clock runs. That kills 20 seconds. Then you have him some almost like galloping into a catch where he puts his second foot out of bounds, so it's incomplete. And then you have what, like, was ridiculously, like, stupid. Like, I, in theory, you know, no offensive lineman, get a quick lateral, and then you have just 11 guys who can, like, run the ball. Okay, I get it. Sure, that's an option. But they had like four <laughs> offensive linemen on the, on the field. field. They were they just didn't taking up space. They didn't trigger on the snap. The only guy who moved forward was Turpin. Zeke gave a good snap, but for all you know, he could have chucked that like yeah. way over everyone. And I mean, Aziz Elshar was having none of it though. <laughs> I mean, just imagine that they spent real time in practice. To I hope not like, too much time. Hey, here's what we do. I, <laughs> I mean, half the players didn't even move. Jimmy and, Ward had a free line. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, that and the way. funniest part was I saw. I think it was uh, Tim Kawakami who pointed out on Twitter later that one of their offensive linemen was too far downfield, so the play probably wouldn't have mattered anyway because they would have called a penalty and the game would have been over no matter what it would have happened. So that would have been hilarious too. Um, my favorite part about it, however, all those things that you point out are, are absolutely true. I also thought it was funny that I think Bosa got like, like suplexed in the end zone. So they very well could have just called a, a holding penalty in the end zone and the safety and the game was over at that point too, which would have been almost as hilarious, but not quite. But I got to say my favorite part is that they ran this formation out, right? And they were kind of in where they needed to be because the ball was because they just stopped the clock, right? And everybody can see what's happening. Everybody's looking at it like the commentators are like, okay, this is weird. Like what's going on? Greg Olson's like losing his mind. Um, And the Niners call a timeout because they're like, oh, this is weird. Like, let's let's talk about this. And then they ran out there and did the same thing. It's like you don't have a backup for your dumb idea when you've already shown what you're going to do. Like, it was pretty it was pretty funny. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole thing. It's just like there's no second second idea here. Like, you're going to show it and then just immediately. I mean, it was dead on arrival anyway, but <laughs> just like 
of all the things that was that one made me laugh the most when they just came out it's just like okay whatever like <laughs> i don't know that you had much of a shot anyway there was only six seconds left there it was pretty much pretty much done at that point as soon as as soon as dalton schultz didn't make that catch down the field they they were they didn't have a hope or in a, in a prayer and it it was funny and also like nice moment of, of levity and breath and it's like ah okay game's over we're good oh yeah i mean just just awful just hilariously bad but i will just say one quick thing about this week that i found kind of interesting so far is i spent i spent a little bit of time basically just like perusing the post-game content because you know when your team wins you kind of want to kind of revel in it i haven't seen a single like article that can or like podcast or youtube clip that's like here's what the 49ers did well so i just think it's been it's interesting how in a game where the 49ers won 1912 the entire discussion is just here's what the cowboys did wrong to lose the game so just, I mean, just an interesting kind of framing of it. Yeah. I don't, it kind of goes with the territory of being not the Cowboys, but yeah. still. Yeah, I saw the, I saw a couple of things about that too. I was just, I was just caught a glimpse of, I was out somewhere earlier this evening and they had, I guess it was the, a rerun of, of uh, um, pardon the interruption on ESPN uh, from this afternoon, and the first question was, did Dallas <laughs> did Dallas win or did the 49ers lose? Or did the 49ers win or did Dallas lose? And it's just like, why are we even asking that question? Like, if this were if this had happened the other way around, we wouldn't be having this conversation even at all. So, um, it's like, okay, whatever. Um, apparently, Stephen A. Smith was hilarious today, um, just because he just his <laughs> his uh, I I don't. I don't like to mess with like he does nothing for me most of the time. I'm just like, okay, dude, calm down. Um, but yeah, his dislike of the Cowboys is just just top notch. So um, good for him. All right, um, enough of that. Let's uh, let's talk about the injury situation. Not too bad. Again, looks to be pretty good um, shape for the most part. Um, the biggest news that comes out of the game that wasn't really related to the game, but is news, I guess, for the most part, is that it's seeming pretty likely. That the only way we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo again in a 49ers jersey is if they get to the Super Bowl, um, because those extra two weeks will give him a chance to maybe be available as the backup quarterback for that particular game. But at this particular point, they are going to do some more x-rays this week. But the likelihood is that he will not have enough time to get up to speed, even if he's cleared that he would not be ready to be the backup quarterback for the NFC Championship game. So it's another week of Josh Johnson as QB2. Um I don't know. That was that didn't seem like terribly surprising news to me. Um, this was always like the NFC Championship game was always like the like I think that's the early part of of that of the original window or maybe like just the tail end of it or in the middle or something like that. It always seemed pretty um, ambitious to me. Um, so we'll see. Um, I mean, again, we we talked about this already. It certainly would be nice to have a a guy back there who's who's been there before and and you feel a little bit more comfortable with, but hopefully it's a it's a non-issue. Um, and then as far as actual playing people who played in the game against Dallas, uh, Charles Amenehu, uh is day to day with an oblique strain. Uh, Christian McCaffrey day to day with a calf con- contusion. You could see him messing around with it um, throughout the game. The commentators were talking about it. He was 
towards the end of the game, he was really only coming in for for passing downs and, and third downs uh, late in the game. And then Elijah Mitchell, also day-to-day with a groin injury, but Shanahan didn't seem to be too terribly concerned about any of them. Um, obviously, that particular trio would be a bad miss if they were long-term injuries. But again, at this point in the in the season, uh, pretty much everybody knows what they need to do as far as a physical point of view. You know, you'd take care of yourself and, and get ready to go. But I imagine a lot of this is... Um, is mental work at this point, you know, like keep yourself safe, keep yourself healthy and just kind of mentally prepare for, for the week. And so I'm not terribly concerned. Uh, I think Amenahu is an interesting name here because I think the, the defensive line kind of lost a little bit when he went out of the game. He was such a massive part of that, of the Cowboys game last year. Um, and I think having him opposite Bosa is at this point, I think he's their most efficient uh, pass rusher opposite of Nick Bosa. And then really the other thing that he allows them to do is to rotate Bosa out a little bit um, and not feel like, I mean, obviously you're losing something because it's Nick Bosa to anybody else is probably going to be a loss. But um, I think he provides them as that a, a good second level and also a good opposite kind of uh, player for him as well. Yeah, um, just we can get so a little bit of self-promotion if you haven't already. Be sure to check out my post-game grades on NinerNoise.com, where I discuss some of my thoughts about the game itself. But to kind of steal from myself, I thought the defensive line had a little more trouble getting pressure than we saw last year. And I think part of that definitely had to do with Omenihu just not being 100% the entire way through. I mean, the 49ers, a lot of the way their pressure works so well is that everyone is always fresh and ready to go. And whenever you lose pieces from the constant rotation, it means everyone's a little more tired, means you have to make some tough decisions. And yeah, it would it would be a big miss too, especially because he's able to slot inside as well and just give the defense different looks. But luckily, not too serious. And they'll need all the pass rushers they can get against Philly in that offensive line. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Cool. Uh, Yeah, everybody check out Akshaz's uh, grades from the game from yesterday, and then... We'll talk more about that um, and other things that you can look at on the site as well. Um, but let's go ahead and move into the things we liked and the things we didn't like. Um, I, this, this feels like a pretty obvious. Oftentimes, I feel like these <laughs> these uh, things we like, things we didn't like, tend to go in very obvious directions. But we'll see how this goes. 
So, um, Akshaz, I'll start with you, sir. Um, what did you like about this game from Sunday? I'm going to use this point in the podcast to – I mean, obviously, I like the defense. I thought the defense came to play, and I thought it was a big deal that beyond basically one drive, they were pretty locked down the entire way through, and it really – allowed the 49ers to work through their own offensive issues and eventually gain that rhythm in the third quarter and second half. But more specifically, I really, really, really liked Fred Warner. I've talked about this a little bit before, but just how incredible he is and how he kind of, he transcends what it means to be like a good middle linebacker and to be just like a great player because sometimes we give monikers like that to players and it's just not good enough. But Fred Warner, single-handedly, more than probably anyone, including Bosa, on the defense, changes the way the 49ers can play defense. And it basically allows them to disguise and rush and do so many beautiful blitzes because he might be the only middle linebacker in the league that is completely capable of carrying three so the slot most receiver just up the middle of the field what he did so the play everyone is talking about and rightfully so is against cd lamb where third down warner is in the a gap mugging up for it's a blitz look and it's a disguise that only works because warner pulls off and he is basically they're running a tampa two type coverage which means he has the middle basically the entire middle of the field And the only reason this blitz disguise works is because Warner is able, as a linebacker, to completely sprint up the middle of the field and take a play on the ball against the throw to CeeDee Lamb. Any other linebacker in the NFL, that's a completion, that's a pass interference, or frankly, that's some other horrible play, or that play never gets called because you never put your player in such a position. But Fred Warner, he lets you do things like that. He had his interception, which was a huge deal, you know, for him to get his hands on the ball. Game-changing play with a shout-out, of course, to Jimmy Ward for his nickel coverage there. But just in general, what a what a great player. I mean, the 49ers have built such a loaded roster top to bottom that sometimes really good players get lost in the shuffle of, Oh, yeah, like we have really great players everywhere, but he is one of one in the NFL. And to have been able to watch Patrick Willis, then Navarro Bowman, and then Warner, it's absolutely a privilege because he's definitely up them with those names in terms of linebacker play. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> 100% agree uh, with you. Was going to say a lot of the same things, not quite as well as you, as you did but um just numerically the the game looks really impressive from a from a numbers point of view for him obviously he had the interception uh nine total tackles um one one for a loss one other additional pass pass defense um but then just doing the things that you that as you said nobody else would would ask their middle linebacker to do because they just couldn't do it um and it's just impressive in the fact that he can he allows somebody like like a dre greenlaw to be the linebacker beside him 
Um, you know, we talk about uh, talk about Greenlaw a lot, uh, and obviously he had a kind of weird game, <laughs> you know, up and down, you know, making plays, but also had that sort of boneheaded play towards the end of the half that that uh, that ended up uh, not not going particularly um, well for him in that particular case. But um, it, it, he is allowed to be as free as he is, I think, in large part because Fred Warner is so good and you know, obviously Greenlaw has has responsibilities and things that he needs to do, but his ability to fly around is is in part because Warner does what he does. And so I think that's that's really in I, I think that's that's vital to this defense doing what it does. Um <clears throat> for me I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the defense side of the ball. Um you know I think I think the the pass defense in general is worth pointing out. I think they did I, I mean obviously <laughs> <clears throat> this may be redundant at this point, but the defense um, was was spectacular on on Sunday and really kept them in the game. In a, as you said, when the offense was sort of struggling to find its footing, but I, I think it's it's worth pointing out. Uh, in particular, the three cornerbacks, uh, Diamador Lenore, uh, Jimmy Ward, who you mentioned, and Tarvarius Ward, each of whom who were you know played well. Um, you know there were there were some some moments um, where each of them kind of picked on a little bit. I, you know you think of that long pass to. To C.D. Lamb early, you know, it, it, that that looked like it was going to be a game changer uh, early in the second half, ended up not being that big of a deal, right? Um, I I truly, truly hate that. Um, I, it didn't matter, obviously, because Lamb made that spectacular catch. But I truly hate that the that the quarterback under throwing a football gets a defender a penalty every time. Just just beyond, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like that guy did something bad. But he, I don't, whatever. Um, if the offensive player has to run through you to get to the ball, it shouldn't be you shouldn't be penalized for it. But that's neither here nor there. Um, obviously, Lenore, Lenore made a great, great, great play on his interception. Um, I have no idea what Dak saw or thought he was gonna get there, but um, Michael Gallup made absolutely no attempts. He just kind of like brushed him aside and was like, "I will take this from you now." Um, so he played well. You mentioned Jimmy Ward. He played spectacularly, I think, as the nickel quarterback because he was asked to do a lot with with, with CeeDee Lamb as well because they move him around all over the place and spend a lot of time in the nickel position. And um, obviously that, that second interception that you noted, um, his instincts and his ability on the ball really made that play happen. Again, not really sure what Dak is doing there or what he saw, but, um, but just fine work there. And then Travarius Ward, who just – they kind of just ignored for most of the game. I think part of that is, frankly, Dallas doesn't have a receiving core that requires you to pay that much attention to the rest of the group outside of Lamb. And so um, it looked like they were picking on on Ward and or Jimmy Ward and, and Lenore Moore um, in that particular case, because they would they would isolate those two on 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 with with uh, C.D. Lamb. But. Frankly, I think that the Trevarius Ward has, has earned the right to be that sort of, eh, you know what? We're not going to mess with him too terribly much. We'd, we just, we just, we're just not going to do it. And so I, kudos to the, to the defenders, especially the cornerbacks in this particular case for, for holding things down against an, an offense that has shown itself pretty capable through most of the season. Absolutely. I think the secondary's coverage is exactly Really, really interesting because I totally agree. They took care of business with the exception of the one pass to Lamb. But at the same time, I was a little interested by the decision for the most part 
especially for Mooney Ward, to kind of play soft just the entire game. I'm not sure if it's a speed issue or if that's what they were coaching them up to do against Dallas, but there are a lot of free yards if you play like five yards off on the third and four. So something to keep in mind for sure, but definitely I think Jimmy Ward especially should get a lot of credit for how he's been playing at nickel corner, a position that you know he's really excelled in despite it not being his natural position. He's allowed the 49ers to keep a playmaker on the field and allow Tashawn Gibson to still play as well as he has. And there's a whole interesting conversation to be made about how the secondary will look next year, but totally agree. I think, you know, like you said, Dallas beyond CD Lamb doesn't really have a good receiving threat, but you know, it doesn't matter how many yards a receiver gets. All that matters is that you stop him when it counts and you walk out with a win. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, actually, as we'll go to the thing you didn't like, um, we'll start with you. So, so if you read my grades, I was pretty critical of the team. This was mostly just a spur of the moment kind of reaction, and I will be very much less critical on the show because I've thought about it a little more. But I will say in general, I wasn't particularly impressed with the offensive line. And I think the offensive line, I think the trenches were the big issue to me. So I'll say that broadly and then talk a little more specifically about what I mean. I think first defensively, they did a good job against the run for the most part. Pollard was able to get a few little chunk plays, but nothing too crazy. And then obviously, Ezekiel Elliott just doesn't have the juice that Tony Pollard had. So when Pollard was injured, they were able to close things up quite efficiently. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of pressure in Dak Prescott's face. Pressure came when it mattered near the end with that sack on Dallas's second-to-last possession. Pressure might have been the reason why Prescott threw that ridiculous pass that Lenore was able to intercept. But it was a pretty clean pocket for Prescott. And it's only going to get harder because Philadelphia has probably the best offensive line in the league. And they have some real studs anchoring real important positions. So it's going to be a huge deal for the 49ers to be able to get pressure and maintain lane integrity. That way Jalen Hurts can't escape. So that was a little concerning to me. Offensively, I think the trenches were a big issue. And part of it makes sense. Dallas is one of the two best defensive lines the 49ers faced all year, the other one being Washington. And then the next elite defensive line they'll face will be next week in Philadelphia. But it wasn't just Dallas getting pressure and disrupting Purdy. I think Purdy played into the issues with pressure too. He flushed himself out a lot. He rolled to his left more than he needed to. I just think there wasn't really a way to move people in the run game, get the blocks set up, really get rushing lanes. And it took essentially continually beating on the Cowboys with just run after run and tiring them out until the offensive line was able to really start paving the way And that was able to work because the 49ers defense was putting on a masterclass on the other side. But 
you're not always going to have that luxury where your defense is shutting down another offense and you can like go through a half and like half a quarter without being able to really get any traction in the trenches. So that was, I think the biggest concern to me was just the 49ers got a little manhandled up front and they eventually turned it on, but need that switch to flip a little sooner next week. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I was going to say not exactly the same thing, but kind of staying in the same same vein. And that was just the the running game in the first half was was clearly not not working. Um, they ran the ball 11 times in the first half for 27 yards, which is two and a half yards per carry. That's not not good at all. Um, now, again, they were able to get things done in the passing game and they did enough offensively. Obviously, they were up nine to six at halftime, which is, you know, weird. Uh, I was like, you know, I, I made the the very intuitive and, and joke, the, the the very funny joke that no one has ever made. I was like, oh, it's the Rangers against the Giants here on uh, Sunday night uh, football. But no, that's uh, that's 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 not fun at all. But uh, they <clears throat> so they struggled to get the, the running game going. And I think obviously part of it is that's one of Dallas's strengths is stopping the run and has been throughout most of the season um, with the exception of a couple of blips. And then obviously with a rookie quarterback they were keying in on like let's make sure we stop the run to force Brock Purdy to have to make plays um and for the most part it worked in the first half and then as you noted uh as they began to wear down and as Kyle Shanahan said you know and I'm not giving up on this we're gonna we're gonna run the ball more and we're gonna run the ball more efficiently <laughs> in the second half um and they broke off a couple of bigger uh, bigger runs and um Eventually, it just got to the point where they were able to, I don't know if they figured out some of the, the blocking schemes a little better or what, but um, the second half was a lot better. They ran the ball 21 times for 86 yards in the second half, which is up to 4.1 yards per carry. Um, all in all, averages out to not where you want to be. It's something like three and a half yards per carry, I think, is not where the averages uh, kind of hit a total across the board. Um, it would get the job done, but it wouldn't get the job done very efficiently um in the in the long run so certainly something to watch out for um as we head into the the philly game but um right there with you that was that was certainly a concern and you because you know as as poised as brock purdy has been and as efficient as he has been at times you don't want to put the whole game on his shoulders and so it's really important that the rest of the, the skill position players are, are able to do that and obviously he, he got some help from from other players as the game went on uh, George Kittle had a great game, um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, in Philadelphia. And obviously, we'll talk about this more uh, later in the week. But um, it is certainly something to pay attention to because, as you said, they're going to have to get uh, the running game going uh, a little bit better as we head into that to that game coming up uh, next Sunday. I will say though, something you just said is what makes the 49ers so difficult to defend is, you know, the running game wasn't going. Brandon Ayuk was, for the most part, shut out. Debo Samuel wasn't able to get anything going. All these things went right for Dallas. They effectively stopped almost every single weapon, but they couldn't stop every weapon. And George Kittle has almost 100 yards and really sparks the offense. It just speaks to the talent the 49ers have now where you can do almost everything right and you'll still end up losing because 
there's just one player you weren't able to take care of. Yeah, I think that's that's really well said. And obviously that that just <laughs> crazy catch that Kittle made um, where I think he said he wasn't even technically in the play, right? He was just blocking. Um, and then he just kind of leaked out and Brock found him and he threw the ball and bounced off his hands, bounced off his face, bounced off his hands again, and he caught it and somehow still managed to to sort of duck under, uh, what was it, Diggs that he that kind of flew at him and he was just loving his life there. Um, that that was the 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 spark of the offense. As soon as he made that catch, I don't know about you, but I was like, okay, okay, now we're now we're doing now we got something going, and they obviously they scored a touchdown on that drive, and that was base that was the difference right there. That immediate moment, and the Dallas was they were stopping everything, they were doing everything they could, they were you know holding pretty much everybody in check, and then one little moment of brilliance on a essentially a broken play by George Kittle, who was having more fun than any human being should be allowed to have while doing anything. Um, and that broke the game open. And that was, that was it from there. It just felt like, okay, we're, we're good like that. I mean, that made the game what 16 to nine or something like that. Uh, but at that point, you're just kind of feeling like, I don't, I didn't, I don't know about you, but I didn't feel like Dallas had the, had the juice at that particular point to, to come back and, and actually win the game. I think for me, it was when Dallas could only muster three on their next drive. That was when I was like, okay, I think I think this is where it ends. Obviously, I was still stressed out the entire time, but I think <laughs> right. that's when that's when I was like, oh wow, this might be this might be it because you just got the sense that Dallas's defense had like. The 49ers had like crossed, got gotten over the hump against Dallas's defense, and that at a certain point they'd just been worn down. So even though there might have been a bad play here, a bad play there, or a negative yards here, or only one yard and a rush there, Dallas just, like you said, they just didn't have the juice at the certain point. Yeah, well, and even the fact that the Niners followed it up by just getting another field goal themselves, because obviously the Scoring a touchdown on that on that last drive would have or yeah, would have killed the game altogether. But even getting it to nineteen and back up to a touchdown with relatively little time. Um actually that was their second lap drive because the they got the ball back and punted it, which led to the the final Dallas drive. Um at that point you're like, Okay, you know, all they have to do is run the run the ball out at this point. Obviously they they made that more difficult than it needed to be as well because of Elijah Mitchell's minor brain fart. Um, ugh, that that was so frustrating. And I, I I was frustrated about it, but I also understood that I don't know how much he could, because like he took the, the, the path that he took was so wide that I'm not really sure what he would have able, been able to do. It would have been quite the, the, the tricky, you know, bending of, of, of the body in order to, to maintain to get the first down still and maintain himself in bounds. So I get it, but it's also like, come on guy, you got to know <laughs> what to do right there. That was, that was a little more fun than it needed to be for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about that until now. I was, I was mad because that was one of those things where you ended the game basically 
and I agree, it would have been a tough way to go. He would have had to basically slide, and that would have been difficult. So I can understand why, you know, it didn't happen. I think the reason why I was a little more frustrated with it is because it felt like he was running the sideline, and it never occurred to him to, instead of giving himself up, just like veer left a little bit and, you know, maybe take on contact, but just give yourself space to be tackled in bounds. Mm-hmm. It kind of it like his path definitely took him to the sideline, but then it kind of felt like he was running. Yeah, I mean, he was like, I'm going to win the game right now because I'm going to score. And then he didn't have that much room <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's all right, Elijah. We still like you, man. Good, yeah. good job. I mean, it was it was a great run. It just the timing of it was just really bad. That's all. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> the seas parted and he rushed right through. Mm-hmm. Beautiful stuff. He's good. He's good. I'm glad he's on our team. Um, anyway, uh, any any final thoughts about this one? Obviously, we'll get into the into the Philadelphia of it all and, and all that stuff um, when we get into the post or the preview pod. But uh, any final thoughts on this before we wrap things up? Um, I will very much say what I've been saying. I I just think. <laughs> I just think, you know, there's something so poetically wonderful about ending the Seahawks season, then ending the Cowboys season. Just there's there's a lot of like vindication in what the 49ers are doing. But I will also say Philadelphia is going to be a real this is going to be if if we weren't fans of the 49ers, we just want to see like the best football game of the year. I think this is the one. This is going to be best on best, strength on strength. Arguably the top two rosters in the NFL. Definitely the top two rosters in the NFL if you take quarterbacks out of consideration. So we'll get more into it later in the week, but this is going to be one for the ages for sure. Yeah, well said. As always, uh, good thoughts from Akshaz as we close things out. Um, and until then, until we get to the uh, preview pod, thanks for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. Go ahead and check out Akshaz's grades from uh, the, the uh, divisional win over the Cowboys. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers.